In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Well done, Chris. That's one of my very favorite hymns. Christ's strength will bear us up. We do not carry the cross by ourselves. It is always relying on the mercies of God. Christ's strength enlivening us, nerving our arm, bracing our heart. That is how we walk this path. So our collect of the day, this collect for proper seven, addresses God saying, Lord, you never fail to help and govern those whom you have set upon the sure foundation of your loving kindness. The sure foundation of God's loving kindness is the loving kindness or mercy that pledged covenant unshakable faithfulness that is God's very nature and God's gift to us. This loving kindness is what God wants to give us in place of all the self-sacrificial acts of spiritual heroism and great deprivation we imagine are required. Mercy, not sacrifice, remember. So that sure foundation of God's loving kindness is important background for our other readings today. The sure foundation of God's loving kindness is the foundation from which we read scripture, as it tells us we have been baptized into Christ's death, that Jesus brings not peace but the sword, and that you must lose your life to find it. So these are texts that point to creative and ultimately generative dissolution or disintegration. God, in God's infinite tenderness and loving kindness, loves us exactly as we are, warts and all. But God is not content to leave us as we are. Right? So we hear today from that sure foundation of loving kindness a call to actually experience our own weakness, our vulnerability, dependence, and limitation and to experience them as held and contained in Jesus' identification with our humanity. Our weakness he did not despise. He willingly empties himself, descends into the depths of those chaotic waters of creation where all the sea monsters dwell, to be with us in our human life, including our inescapable vulnerability and dependence. And so all of our deepest fears the things we are most tightly defended against don't have to be faced alone. The letter to the Romans assures us all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Paul is pointing us to a newness of life that follows the hospitable welcome rather than hostile denial, hospitable welcome for all that we experience as a kind of death. Like Abraham at the tent door, might we spread the table to welcome those strangers that are constantly turning up on the doorstep of our lives? Weakness and dependence in the forms of illness, concern for one's children, isolation or loneliness, Fears about growing old, 
Fear is about making a mark on the world, the longing for connection, longing for purpose. Can we meet these strangers with hospitality rather than hostility? Welcomed in, greeted, and mourned, the death in each fear and each loss reveals itself to be also an occasion to welcome and experience newness of life. The truth of a dearest freshness deep down thing springing up in each one of us as God's grandeur expresses itself through each one of our faces. Baptized into Christ's death is very good news, heralding this process of creative disintegration where we let go of all the external ways we've tried to stabilize our identity, seeking after power, possessions, and prestige. We let that search go under the baptismal water, buried in Christ's death. Instead, start to let our I am, the I am of our being, rest in the great I am, laying our weary head on the sure foundation of God's loving kindness. In our gospel passage, we hear Jesus say, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. One's foes will be members of one's own household. These are strange words from the Prince of Peace. What is Jesus getting at here, as he quotes from the prophet Micah? Set upon the sure foundation of divine loving kindness, how can we understand this as a message of liberation? from a God who is determined to break every yoke that keeps us from receiving that loving kindness, that keeps us from receiving mercy and love as truly unconditional. It's okay to love your family, no question. Uh, but Jesus is trying to wake us up here, wake us up with these strong words to the ways relationships can entrap us and those we love. He's come to set us free from every false peace that masks a subtly violent status quo. The eruption of conflict that's been festering under the surface can be a very good and healthy thing. There is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. Better to get it out in the open. Let whatever has been wounded come out into the sunshine, where it can be seen honestly, acknowledged, welcomed, and mourned. I was at the dentist once and heard the, <laughs> the dentist, I had my mouth open. He was chatting about someone in the chair of the next room over, which I was grateful for because they needed a root canal. And his prescription in <laughs> joking terms was cold steel and sunshine. That <laughs> which is, you know, I think only a dentist can laugh at that. But uh, get it out into the open, in the sunshine. Let uh, the warmth of love and acceptance um, guide us into wholeness. That's, that's what the saying means. Nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. That uh, is not a terrifying news that we are uh, being subject to the examination of a watcher who is out to find fault with us. Uh, this is God who truly loves us unconditionally in a way that we can't do for ourselves. Um, 
but we slowly thaw, I think, like ice cubes melting uh, in the warmth of that love, letting ourselves bask in it and bathe in it. So in that sunlight, we can learn a different relationship uh, to many of the things that have subtly held us captive. There's the crushing weight of familial expectations, indelible legacy of early childhood experiences, pressure to put on a good face, represent the family name. All of this is the sort of entrapment Jesus is talking about when he says one's foes will be members of one's own household. All these are forms of unfreedom and untruth that trap us in false and partial selves, where we're held captive by a fearful attempt to hold on to love, a love that we fear is all too conditional. Jesus comes with a sword to slice through all of that like silk, to set us on the sure foundation of divine loving kindness, to place us there on the steady, reliable, can't earn it, can't lose it, ground of our being. God's eyes on the sparrow. Even the hairs of your head are all counted. And in that stable and beautiful love, we can start to release our relationships with our closest loved ones as possessions or means of control. We find that like the thrashing child Jesus takes in his arms, heals, and then gives back to his father, we are held, healed, and given back to each other. Those who find their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. So baptized into Christ's death, not peace but a sword, losing your life to find it. These are all different ways of talking about life in the spirit as a process of creative disintegration. We have to let love crack us open. Let love thaw us out. Opening our hearts like this is intensely vulnerable. This vulnerability is essential if who we were made to be is to develop and unfurl out into the world. And it is God's dream that who we were made to be develop and unfurl out into the world. It is God's dream that we loosen our binding ideas, expectations, stories about ourselves, lose that life to find our real lives hidden in Christ with God. Each of us in the particulars of our unique history and makeup. God wants us to exist. The God who creates out of nothing wants us to be, you and me, each one a fresh expression of ancient beauty, now in newness of life. And God's dream for the world is lived out and realized in one small way after another through our loving relationships with self, neighbor, and all creation, all held in that sure foundation, in that stream of mercy. This happens in the particular, in your particular life, as it's welcomed in hospitality, just as it is, cut free from polite or cheerful falsehoods, set free to flourish as a genuine, rich, unique, flourishing, open to the whole range of joy and sorrow flowing through you, always steady on that foundation of loving kindness. So in that trust, we can pray with the psalmist through it all, 
in full assurance that we will be cared for, just as the sparrows and the lilies of the field. In your great mercy, O God, answer me with your unfailing help. Answer me, Lord, for your love is kind. In your great compassion, turn to me. God does turn to us. Amen.